0: Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. We believe that God is an active God, that the Word is an active Word, and that the Spirit of God, the two attributes of the Word of God, of the the Spirit of God being active and tangible, are still relevant in the church today. Now, many churches do not believe that. I cannot be an apologist for them or anything like that. All I can do is, is, is develop this church. And, you know, I was raised in a church in which the Spirit of God moved mightily, educated in a church in which the Spirit of God moved mightily, was a part of helping build a church in which the Spirit of God did and still moves mightily. And then God called us to found a church in which the Spirit of God moves mightily. We've seen miracles. We've seen healings. We've experienced the gifts of the Spirit. We need never to take that for granted because many have come over the years and said, how rare this is, how rare this is. We thank God for it. We thank God for the company of men and women, other churches that He's joined us to all over the world that believe the way we believe. We take the Bible at face value. We see supernatural giftings and anointings and operation in the Bible and we believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the church, the great vocal gifts that's talked about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues, especially tongues and interpretation of tongues which were not available to the other covenant. All the other seven gifts of the Spirit were. But God endowed and placed upon his son through his finished work as a reward, the gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues so that he could put them into the church by the vehicle of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad? Uh, Brother J.R. Goodwin, who was our pastor way back in in the 60s, And their books and material that they wrote said that many of us ooh and ah over the power gifts, the working of miracles and gifts of healing and special faith. And we rejoice over that and we thank God for it. But in this dispensation, it is tongues and interpretation of tongues that God has put an exclamation point on as being something unique to our dispensation. In it, God brings us edification, exhortation, and comfort. It takes, I like to say it like this. If you really receive tongues and interpretation in tongues for what they are, they will inspire your faith. They will cause the faith that is in your heart to literally, it's like throwing gasoline on a fire. It'll cause your faith to explode. It'll help you to act on the faith that you have in your heart. That what you believe in your heart, that what you confess in your mouth, many times you just need the inspiration or the unction to act upon it. And many times it's tongues and interpretation of tongues that will cause that unction to take place on the inside of you. Isn't that good? Let's just lift our hands and thank God for it. Lord, we thank you for it. You say, well, pastor, what is that? What is that? Number one, it's not rehearsed nor made up. The tongue that is given, unlike the evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost in which you speak in other tongues, this operation of tongues is a gift that is given as the Spirit wills. Anybody can receive the Holy Ghost that is born again. But as the Spirit wills, He moves upon the hearts of individuals out of their belly will, 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 will rise up a message, a language in which will give, be given out in a public setting like a church service. Then not a translation, but an interpretation of that will take place according to the faith of the one that operates in the gift of interpretation of tongues. In so doing, God speaks to us. You missed a good opportunity to shout. In so doing, God speaks to us. I said, God speaks to us. It's a powerful manifestation. We need to appreciate it for what it is. So if you will, for just a moment, let your spirit, let it just kind of get, let it get very quiet so you can receive. Let it get very quiet so you can receive. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, those in whom the Spirit of God is moving upon, I want you to raise your hand and be recognized right now so I, can, so I can see you. I just want to be able to see you. Praise God. I just want to see all those that have their hands up, how many people the Spirit of God is moving upon. Praise God. I'm going I'm to ask Dana. Dana, give that out if you will. Go ahead. Just yield to the Spirit of God and give that out. Now, if you will listen to that which the Spirit of the Lord is saying unto you, that which has gone on in this house for the past 17 years, the supernatural, the miraculous, that which is of heaven, and that which you have cooperated with down here on earth, the battles that have been fought and won, the times in which discouragement came but did not find a place of habitation here, The times in which strife and division would try and rise up did not find a place of habitation. Unity healed and brought that which God desired into the house. The foundation has been laid. That which in the Spirit needed to be done in this city has been done. Sure, there's been other cities and other places where it's taken a shorter time. But has not been the depth of iniquity, sin, and activity of the adversary in other places as it has been here. But truly your breakthroughs have been achieved. And that which I desire for you to possess and have is now in your hand. That which belongs to you as a people and that which belongs to you personally. Grasp with your faith and pull into your life. The season of harvest is upon you. That which I desire to do with you, in you, and through you, now comes to pass. Don't let go. Don't quit. Don't give up. Due season is yours. It's time to bring forth that which you've labored, labored so many years for, so that the reward of God will be in this house. Rejoice and be glad. A new season of blessing and increases upon you. And if you will look with an eye of faith to see and listen with an ear of faith to hear, you will see it's not just the accumulation of that which you're believing for, but there are new things in the Spirit. There's the expansion of the dream. There is the world that lies at your doorstep. The missions work. The crusades. Those that you are connected to that I am using you to help meet their need. I'll bring it all to the house. It'll be yours to distribute to the nations of the world. And millions will come into the kingdom because of your obedience. So rejoice and be glad that you've been counted worthy to be a part of such a move of my spirit. For the increase thereof is upon you, and the blessing shall come to you as never before, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Lift your hand. Now, just lift your hands and worship God. We worship you. We worship you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord God. Now, put your hands down. Now, again, those that the Spirit of God is moving upon, raise your hand if you've got a message in tongues. Let me see your hand. Praise God. Sister Pat, give that out. For many would say, but Lord... Have you seen, have you seen how the enemy has fought me? How you see, have you seen how he has come up against me? Have you seen what he's bringing me through? What he's dragging me into? The Lord says, I see, I see. But do not look at what your enemy is doing. Look at that which I'm doing. For I'm bringing you through the very shadow of the valley of the shadow of death. I'm bringing you out of that disease. I'm bringing you out of that financial problem. I'm bringing you out of that issue in your marriage. I'm bringing you out of all of that. So rejoice today for I have seen your fight of faith and I have seen your stand and that which you have done and your words that you have spoken and how you've stood and not given up. It is time for me to speedily vindicate and reward you. It is time for the breakthrough to happen. So allow your praise to be loud. Allow your joy to be full. And you shall see that the victory is yours. And even though your enemy has come, and even though the problem has risen up, it has come to pass. And now the passing time is upon you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, one more. One more. Lift your hands again if the Spirit of God is stirring upon you again. Brother Ben, you give that out. For now there's a tenderness in my heart towards you. And I'm calling unto you as my child and as my children to come closer. Come closer. Come closer. Draw nigh to my heart. Draw near unto me. For the days ahead on this earth are precarious. The days ahead are dangerous. But I want to gather you unto my heart and give you protection and give you provision and give you that which you need to go through the trying times that are ahead. For it's not the trying times of the church. It's not the trying times of God's people. It's the trying times of this world and this system and all that is going on in the wickedness of this world. But I will cocoon you and bring you in and hold you tight to my bosom. And you shall feel my heartbeat. And you shall know that I'm with you always. And no matter what rises up and no matter what comes upon the earth, you will know I'm in the hands of my Father. I'm in the hands of the God that loves me. I'm in a place where I need to be. And all your joy shall be full, and your happiness shall be great. And those around you shall wonder, what is it? What is it? What is it that you know? What is it that you see? What is it that you hear? And it will be your door that will open to introduce them to a loving Father and a gracious Savior that died and rose from the dead for them. Hallelujah. Glory to God. you Father, We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Father. Hallelujah. Ooh, my, my, my my my. Thank you, Jesus. Now, according to Scripture, that's how the Spirit of God operates, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in speaking of tongues and interpretation of tongues and the operation of the church. It says, let those messages be given by two or three and let one interpret. And in perfect coordination and submission to the Word of God, we've seen that this morning. I think we ought to appreciate it and lift our hands and thank God for it. We thank you for it, Father. We thank you for it, Lord. And Father, we receive those as words from heaven. Not rehearsed, not thought up in the minds of men. But imparted from heaven itself, we receive it with thanksgiving, and we thank you that you've brought us to such a time of this as this, in Jesus' name. And everyone says, yes. "Amen." We're going to study the resurrection from the dead, the triumphal inf- entry, as much as we can without getting carried away, because I get carried away by this stuff. This is this is what I this is I, this is this is what I like. I mean, I could I could talk to you. I could get in a conversation with you. On several subjects, and you would find out that, uh, you know, I probably uh, think I know more than I really do. And, uh, uh, you know, we talked about duck hunting earlier. I've been doing it for 43 years. I could talk about all kinds of stuff about that, about surfing, different things. But if you engage me in a conversation on redemption, it'd be hard to get me to shut up. You say, why is that? Because I'm telling you, I've lived in this for going on 35 years now. And it does not get old. It does not get small. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the reality of a God that loves us so much that he came down in the form of man, died on the cross, took all of our sins, took all of our sickness, took everything wrong with us, and then he rose from the dead so that we might have everything that's right with him Uh, You just, you can't wrap your mind around it. And he did it when we were so undeserving. Now, we've used some words in this study, and I'm going to rehearse the words that we've been using to you so that you'll understand a few more things as we continue to teach. And the words unique to the study of redemption are the words substitution, union, and identification. Everybody say that with me. Substitution, union, and identification. Understanding that that is unique to us, number one, not only through Jesus Christ, but also by Adam and the woman in the garden. Adam and the woman in the garden were our substitutes. Because they were our substitutes when they got into sin, that brought us into sin because we are in union with them. Amen? That causes us all to identify with our first birth, being born onto the planet, being born into the human family. The substitution, the union, the identification causes us to identify with the fallen human world. But thank God when we got born again, that same principle of substitution, identification, and union also worked for us. Now we are no longer in union with Adam. We are in union with Christ. Jesus was our substitute, and now we are not identified spiritually with the human fallen race. We're identified with God's love children, or the body of Christ, or the children of God. Oh, we could just go home right now and just shout all afternoon. Amen? So when we begin to see these mighty truths, in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, in His crucifixion, He was your substitute. Also, you are in union with him and identified with him in his death. That means his death is your death. Amen. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about you can die to anything. You can die to an addiction. You can die to a spiritual mindset that's not of God. You can die to, to, to anything that is negative, anything harmful, or anything that's unique to you because of your first birth, because you've been given a death. Amen. I said you've been given a death. The Apostle Paul writes, For the preaching of the cross is unto them that perish foolishness, but unto us it is the power of God. Thank God for the power of God that separates us from sin, from unrighteousness, from iniquity, from disease. All to get a better amen. From poverty and lack from addiction, from depression, from the world system, from all that's of the world, the flesh and the devil. It delivers us from that. Thank God we've been delivered from the power of darkness and we've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen. Amen. So in your Bibles, if you will, I've got so many. I started studying midweek last week. And after marking about 25 scriptures, I said, well, you know, Lord, I just got Sunday morning. And, and the Lord said, well, just trust me. Amen. So I'm going to trust him. Go to John chapter 20. We'll start there. John chapter 20. Now we studied that Jesus died on the cross. He gave up the ghost. He went into the region of the dam, the lowermost parts of the earth, the word Hades or hell. Everybody say Hell. Now, people say, well, Pastor, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, He took our sin, our individual acts of sin. He took our iniquity, which was the motivation to sin. By His stripes were healed. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. But He also took our punishment. Everybody say, our punishment. Thank God He took our punishment. You say, why? Because if He didn't, you'd have to take it. Judgment, you say, well, you know, I'm afraid God's going to judge me. He's already done it. I listened to a guy on the radio the other day. He's talking about judgment being on the, on the church, how God's bringing judgment to the church. Now listen, I don't, under, don't get me wrong. I understand that in the church we must judge ourselves. Not only that, churches must judge themselves. But as far as God pouring out judgment on the church, that's not going to happen. You say, why not? Because He poured out judgment upon the body of Christ. Now you say, well, Pastor, what about the rapture of the church? What about... Pre trib or post trib or mid trib talking about having to go through the tribulation. Well, the tribulation is the judgment of God. I mean, recognize that. I mean, when you got the oceans turning into blood and you got wars and you got all this stuff and a third of the population of the earth dies and all this crazy stuff happens, that's the judgment of God upon this earth. He's not going to pour that out upon His body. He's already poured out upon the cross when Jesus suffered so much that when you looked upon his body on the cross, you couldn't tell he was a human being. That was the judgment of God upon the body of Christ. God will not judge his body a second time. Amen. Amen. Now, John chapter 20, verse 1 The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene, when it was yet dark, and seeth the sep- unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Remember that stone? You say, what stone is that? That's the stone that the Sanhedrin demanded the Roman government put over the tomb of Jesus. They demanded a group of soldiers, a company of soldiers, and they demanded a stone be rolled over the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, where Jesus' body was put in. They demanded a seal put on that stone, and the Roman government seal being put in that wax. They literally poured wax around that stone, and where it ran down upon the stone, they took a seal and they sealed it, and that seal meant anybody breaking this seal has to deal with the most powerful government on this nation. I mean, most powerful nation on this earth. Amen? Guess what? The seal got broke. And nobody did anything. Amen? You say, what does that mean? That means something more powerful than the most powerful government on the earth at that time broke that seal and rolled away that stone. And Mary was a witness to it. She came down and saw that stone rolled away. Isn't that great? Now go to Revelation. Go to Revelation real quick. I like this scripture. Go to Revelation chapter 1. Look at verse 18. Now this is, I like this. In my Bible, these are the red letters. Everybody say red letters. I like red letters. This is Jesus. Speaking. I am he that liveth. Now that, that's, that's good. But now listen to the rest of it. I am he that liveth and was dead. You missed a good opportunity to shout. Amen. Have you ever heard anybody else say that? No. Jesus is saying, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. How are you going to get the keys of hell if you don't go there? Now, I love it in the Amplified. Let me, let me read in the Amplified. I'm going to go up to verse 17. I, I, it's just so good in the Amplified. It said, When I saw him, I fell at his feet it's dead. John speaking, the revelator. But he laid his right hand upon me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. And the ever-living one. I am living in the eternity of eternities. I died, but see, I am alive forevermore. And I possess the keys of death and Hades, the realm of the dead. Glory to God. You say, what do you mean? who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Upon the cross, He delivered us. But through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, He hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. The dominion of His Son, the dominion of healing, the dominion of health, the dominion of salvation, the dominion of authority, the dominion of... A... Listen, if we only knew who we were and what we could do, we could turn this world upside down. That's what they said of the first guy that got this revelation. They said, he's the one who is turning the world upside down with his doctrines. Now, understand something about the devil. Man, when this doctrine began to come out through the Apostle Paul, the redemptive doctrine of identification, substitution, and union... When people begin to see who they were, what they had, what they could do in Christ Jesus. When they begin to see themselves as more than a conqueror. When they begin to see that greater is he that was in them than he that was in the earth. When they begin to take authority over the devil. When they begin to cast out devils. When they begin to lay hands on the sick. When they begin to preach the gospel. Listen, the world was in revival. I said the world was in revival. Churches in Jerusalem, churches in Ephesus, churches in Corinth, churches in Thessalonica, churches in Rome, they were rising up, mighty churches, full of life, full of power, apostles and prophets, evangelists, teachers and pastors all over the world preaching and demonstrating the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, hell was in a panic. I said hell was in a panic. If hell did not do something then literally Jesus probably would have come back in the first hundred years of the church. So immediately he began to raise up people. Satan began to raise up people. And what did he begin to do with them? Well, first of all, you're going to have to add it to the law. You're going to have to obey the old covenant. Well, Jesus died for a brand new covenant. You know, people today, there's a lot of people today that talk about how we have to go back to the law and go back to the feast days and go back to this and go back to that. I'm going to show you in just a minute where redemption says, no, you don't have to do that. You don't need any Sabbaths. You don't need any moons. You don't need any holy days. All you need is Jesus. All you need is the risen Son of God, the one that died for you and rose again. That's all you need is Jesus. Amen. But then religion came on the earth. And religion came on the earth. When religion came on the earth, that was the way the adversary dumbed down this message. It made people feel inferior. It made people see themselves inferior. It caused people to see themselves in the light of their religion instead of the light of redemption. Let me say that again. In the darkness or the shadow of their religion instead of the light of their redemption. But thank God, he kept visiting, he kept looking for people, he kept searching for people. He found people in the 1600s, in the 1700s, the 1800s. Thank God in 1900, he found William Seymour, a one-eyed black man. I like what one preacher said, a one-eyed black man saw more with one eye than anybody's ever seen with two. What did he see? He saw the Holy Ghost coming upon men and women, baptism in the Spirit, the endowment of power. Out of that we've seen the great healing revivals, the great charismatic renewals, the outpouring of the Spirit of God, and now here we are in 2019 and the church is beginning to rise up to be the church that God has called it to be, and I guarantee you once we get this revelation out, it's not going to take centuries to do it. It's going to be a quick work, and the Bible says Jesus will cut it short in righteousness. Oh, glory to God, I got to be careful. Go if you will. I've got so many of them. Go to Colossians. Go to Colossians. Which one should I do, Lord? Chapter 2. We'll do that one. Oh, man. You almost have to read the whole chapter. Here we go. Identification, substitution, union. Verse 12, chapter 2, Colossians. Buried with Him him in baptism. That's baptism into the body of Christ. Salvation. Wherein also you are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who raised Him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened or made alive together with Him, having forgiven all trespasses. Everybody lift your hands right now and receive the forgiveness of all your trespasses. Every sin you've ever committed, everything you've ever done contrary to the Word of God, every lie you ever told, everything you ever stole, everything you ever did that was not right in a sin, you must know He has forgiven you, He has forgiven you, He has washed you, He has cleansed you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Act like it. I said act like it. Hallelujah. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which was, against, which, which was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, doing what? Nailing it to the cross. So what did he do? He took your sin, he nailed it to the cross. He took your sin, nailed it to the cross. He took your sin, nailed it to the cross. What is the cross? It is the place of death. What is death? Separation. So what has He done? He separated your sin from you. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, which is a geographical phenomenon. So what do you mean by that? You can go north till you go over the pole and start going south. But you can't go east till you start going west. Explain that to me. You can't do it because it's supernatural. It's divine. God put it into creation not for man to figure out, but as a measure of how far your sins are removed from you. You say, how how far is that? So far you cannot measure it. And God said, I have thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember it against you anymore. I made this statement one time. I could hear the, the congregation just kind of go, ugh. People say, God knows everything. God knows everything. God, I tell you one thing He doesn't know. He doesn't know your sin. He doesn't know your past life. He doesn't know anything about you. All He knows is that you're washed in the blood. He only knows you from the time you got born again till now. I forget who it was. it was, I think it was Norval Hayes that told the testimony of the lady that believed God for the washing machine. How many remember that story? That a, uh, she, she, you know, she she uh, been taught faith and, and, and sowing to, to receive and believe God, and she sowed a seed. And on the seed, she, she, she wrote, I need a wash I think it was a washer and a dryer. I need a washer and a dryer, and wrote, I believe I receive a washer and dryer. And then she put a little, uh, a little uh, note down there and said, I'd like to have it on my birthday. And so every day she got up and thanked God for her washer and dryer. Thank God for her washer and dryer. Thank God for her wash. Thank you, Father. Thank you for my washer and dryer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my washer. And, dryer. and her birthday came and her birthday went. No washer and dryer. And about two months later, at about eleven thirty at night, her phone rang, and a lady that she was acquainted with said to her, "I'm so and so. I don't know if you remember me from church or whatever, but but a." Uh, uh, I, I, we're, me and my husband, were at at uh, this big discount store and we're purchasing a washer and dryer and, and we just can't get it out of our hearts. We're, we're supposed to bring it and give it to you. We know the hour is late. We know it's late, but can we bring it? The delivery guys are here. It's on the truck. She said, sure, bring it over. And she said about a quarter till midnight, about quarter till 12 midnight, they pulled up and delivered this beautiful new washer and dryer. She thanked the people for their obedience, thanked them for it. You know, they, they were very gracious. She said, They're left. She, said, she said, when they left, I put my hands up and I prayed and I worshiped and I thanked God. She said, then I asked God, Lord, why did you not give it to me on my birthday? I've been taught faith. It says to be specific. I was specific. Why did you not give it to me on my birthday? And the Lord spoke to her and said, check up on when you got born again. And she went and looked at a little prayer log she kept and 18 years before at a quarter till 12 on that exact date she had gotten born again. And God spoke to her and said, I don't know you after your flesh. I only know you after your spirit. He took away. The handwriting of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us. He took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Uh, Now, are you ready for some shouting room? And having spoiled principality and powers, he made us showing them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now this is in his resurrection. Listen, he laid down there in that grave three days and three nights. Then all of a sudden the very spirit of God that was upon him through John's baptism came down into that region of the dam where it was the darkest, the brightest light hit. Kaboom! Kaboom! Not only that, when Jesus rose up, he went to work. You say, what did he do? He started spoiling. He started defeating. He started bringing to naught every principality, power, demon, little demon spirits, big devils, you name it. Lucifer itself, he bound them and paraded them through downtown eternity. One translation says, empty and vanquished. Everybody say, empty Empty. and vanquished. All the power Satan has over you is the power you choose to give him. Don't give him any. Don't give him your words. Don't give him your doubt. Don't give him your fear. Starve your doubt. Feed your faith. Starve your fear and live in Christ. Ephesians, real quick. i got a couple of minutes. Ephesians, the great prayer in chapter 1. Well, I'll just restart it from the beginning. It's that the, verse 17, chapter 1, verse 17 of Ephesians. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, you may know what is the hope of your calling, what is the riches of the glory of, the, of his inheritance in the saints. Now notice this, these next two verses, very important. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Now listen to that. What is the exceeding greatness of His... Now listen, how can anybody read that in the Bible and say that God doesn't have any power today? That God doesn't do miracles, that God doesn't heal the sick, that God doesn't bless people financially, that God doesn't deliver the drug addict, that God doesn't deliver the person that's oppressed with depression, that God does not have... How can we say that when in just one scripture he says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Now notice the next phrase, toward usward who believe. Now, the way some people preach it, it should read like this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power, which stopped operating when the last apostle died. But that's not what it says. It says what is the exceeding greatness of his power to who? Usword. How many uswords do we have in here? How many uswords do we have in here? Hmm i got to be careful. I don't go picking on the denominations if I'm not careful. <laughs> Usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Now listen to this. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now listen, i got to get down here for this one. Because if I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, this stuff, it, this stuff eats on me every day. Say, what do you mean eats on you? It eats on my doubt. It eats on my fear. It eats on everything that's wrong with me. It eats it away. Amen. Amen. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought. That word wrought is the word demonstrated in Christ. Now, here's what we've done over the years. And don't get me wrong. Y'all have heard me preach, many of you for years. I love to preach out of the Gospels. I love the woman with the issue of blood. I love blind Bartimaeus. I love John chapter 5, the miracle. I love all of that. But listen, a woman being healed from a 12-year issue of blood, that is a demonstration of the power of God. A sick man, 38 years by a miracle pool, being healed by the Word of Jesus, that is a demonstration of the power of God. A uh, uh, blind Bartimaeus crying out Jesus son of David have mercy on me that is a demonstration of the power of God but God wants us to know that the demonstration <laughs> not, not a demonstration but the demonstration you say what do you mean I mean the demonstration that sits on the top of every demonstration that's ever been demonstrated <laughs> did you get that one The demonstration that sits on the top of everything that has been demonstrated. You say, what was that? That's when God raised Jesus from the dead. He say, what do you mean? Think about the weight. Think about the weight. The weight of your sin. The weight of my sin. The weight of our sin. The weight of every disease. The weight of every sickness. The weight of every depression. The weight of every addiction. The weight of everything wrong with humanity. Weighing down Jesus. Down in the bowels of hell. Taken by the devil. Taken by demon powers. Hell down there in that region of the dam. Then all of a sudden, God demonstrated his power. Boom! And raised him from the dead. And out he came from that tomb. I'm the first. I'm the last. I'm the risen. And God says, that is the demonstration of my power toward who? Not toward the angels, not toward the universe and all the societies out there, not toward the Old Testament saints, but toward word who believe. You want to see the power of God? See God raising Jesus from the dead. You talk about nothing being impossible. You talk about no problem being too big. No sickness, no disease, no infirmity, no financial lack, no problem whatsoever. God rose His Son, Jesus, from the dead as a demonstration toward us who believe. Amen. According to the working of His mighty power. Amen. Well, i got to give you one more. Ephesians chapter 2. Since we're in Ephesians, I'll go to that one. everybody say and you. and you chapter 2 verse 1 hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins where in times past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom we also had our conversation in times past the lust of the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as others I like these next two words but God, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, where he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Amen. By grace you are saved. Remember our words? Substitution, identification, union. He's our substitute. Here is our identification. You say, what do you mean? Because we're in union with Him, we are now identified with Him, which means in the spirit realm, you're seen as Christ is seen. Now people would say, now come on, that's the deepest heresy I've ever heard in my life. I can't believe somebody would stand in a pulpit in America and get up and say that some common Christian is seen in the spirit realm just as Jesus. Well, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I said, I didn't say it. Listen to these words. Listen to these words. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. You got the word with, which is what? A preposition. Together. Us on one side. Christ on the other. Us on one side. Christ on the other. Come on, church. And hath raised what? Here we go again. Us. Up together, prepositional phrase, and made us sit together. Double prepositional phrase. Get an English lesson, amen? You say, what? He's doubly emphasizing us together with, made us together with, made us sit together with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Now hold on, now hold on. And hath raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, let me stop there. If I go to the next scripture, we'd have to go for another hour. You are risen with him. You died with him. He took your punishment. You are risen with him. And you are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He is seated at the right hand of the Father and you are seated in Christ Jesus. The place of ultimate favor, the place of ultimate grace. If you ever make any mistakes, the place of ultimate mercy is where you're seated. You have to see yourself seated there. Now, the theologians of the world and many people that look at these scriptures on the surface would make this statement. Okay, we'll give you that it's in the Bible. I mean, it's, it's there in your King James, you go to other translations, it's there it's a, we'll give you that it's in the bible amen but these truths in the word of god the experiential side of that is not relevant to us as believers on the earth because the experiential side of that would just be too glorious So whether or not God would ever release that type of power into human hands or allow anybody to really live in that type of power, that's that's really based on the sovereignty of God. So it's legally yours. It's legally yours, Bo. It's legally yours. It's legally... But whether you're ever to experience that or not, that's left up to God's sovereignty. Well, I'm just not that smart. People, I think people overthink things. You know, the Bible says the carnal man is, uh, mind is at enmity with God. It's God's enemy. So, so I kind of figure if something's legally mine, you give me something legally. You give me something legally. Because I always, I, always, we're in Galveston, I go other places, they don't relate to it. But in Galveston, we can all relate to a nice boat. Boats have gone up. I don't know if you've noticed that. They're not, a lot more expensive than they used to be. I mean, a really nice Pathfinder bay boat with a, you know, a Yamaha 300 on it with all the bells. It's going to cost you up close to 100 grand. Amen? So say you love me so much, you're going to buy me one. If you need the details, I will give them to you. Amen? And so what you do is you have to go find, first of all, you have to find somebody that sells it. You go down to a dealership. They put that package, they call it a package, they put it together. They put the boat on a trailer, they mount the motor, they put on the jack plate, they put the uh, two uh, power poles, they put on the, all the fishermen know what I'm talking about. They put on, they put on, they put on, they put on the trolling motor, they have the live bait well. they put on the live, everything you need, amen, All everything you need. They put it all on there, then they wrap it all up in a package, they give you a price. You take out your checkbook, you write the check. You give it to them. Now, you are an owner of that boat. But you don't want to own it. You want to transfer ownership. Now, listen to me real close. I'm not just telling some story about a boat. If you'll listen real close. You want to transfer ownership, so therefore you would need legal documentation of the transference of ownership from you to me. And that would take place by the rearranging of the wording on the, quote, title deeds. On that particular package, you'd get three. You'd get one for the boat, you'd get one for the trailer, you'd get one for the motor. There'd be three title deeds that you would possess. So on a glorious Sunday morning, you would come to church and you'd pull that package up here and you'd come into the church and everybody would be rejoicing and you'd walk up and you'd hand me that package. And in that package would be all of the three title deeds right there. And I'd look on a title and i man, that's a title deed for a 24-foot Pathfinder, 2019. There's a title deed for a Mercury 300 um, uh, uh, four-stroke motor. My goodness, there's a title deed for a brand new uh, 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 tandem uh, wheel McLean trailer. Three title deeds. it would remove a lot of my doubt. I haven't seen it. I haven't drove it. I haven't, quote, possessed it, but I have been given the title deeds. Now, as soon as those title deeds were given me and as soon as I saw my name on those title deeds, I would take possession. You know what I'd say? That's mine. Nobody's driving off with my boat today. That's my boat. Amen. So we have a glorious service. Everybody's dismissed. Two days later, you're driving down the road, and over in Offit's Bio, you see me oaring out with my fishing rod in an old beat-up bait bucket to go catch fish over by the pilings on the southeast side of Offit's Bio. And the boat's leaking, and I'm bailing water out of about every 15 minutes. You see me dump about three buckets of water just to keep it from sinking. And you think to to yourself, you know, uh, at great expense... I gave that man a gift. So you wait there on the dock for me to come up and I come walking up there, you know, and you say, Pastor Rusty, did you not uh, understand or was there something wrong? Did you have to take the boat to the shop? Was there a problem? And I say something like this to you. Oh, I understood. I read the title deed. That was all well and good and I received it. But, you know, whether I was ever to really drive that boat or not, I'm waiting for God to talk to me about that. I'm waiting on the sovereignty of God. Ha, ha, ha. Amen? Amen. Not me, buddy. You give me those three title deeds, y'all going to have someone else preaching next Sunday because I'm going to be down in Baffin Bay (laughs) wade fishing for Trophy Speckled Trout and my new Pathfinder. You say, what gives you the right to do that? It's mine. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, amplified translation, that faith is what? The title deed to your healing, to your deliverance, to your breakthrough. And God is tired of His kids rowing around in leaky rowboats in the sea of life when He has provided a better vehicle. Come on, somebody ought to rejoice. He has provided a better vehicle. And he fills it with the Holy Ghost. And he's built it out of his word. And it cost a whole lot more than $102,000, $649. It cost him everything. And he wants you living in it. He wants you driving it. He wants you walking in it. He wants you proclaiming it outside of the four walls of the church. He wants you to be a living example of the power that raised Christ from the dead. That which was demonstrated to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. You're as raised as he's raised. You're as resurrected as he's resurrected. And that same power, what good would it do for God to hold that power in heaven? What good would it do for God to hold it in a place where it is not needed? He is there. You say, what do you mean by that? We don't need, listen, we don't need everlasting life in heaven. There is no death. We don't need healing in heaven. There is no sickness. We don't need prosperity in heaven. There is no poverty We need it down here on the earth, and we need people willing to embrace the title deed and to see the redemptive vehicle God has built with the word of his son so that we can live the life God has called us to live. You say, Pastor, that's too good to be true. That's exactly what it is. It's too good to be true, but it is true. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you this morning. How can we thank you for what you've given us in Christ? You raised him from the dead, but it was not a religious event. Just like in creation, you identified us with the man and the woman that you placed in the garden. Just like in creation, we were in union. They were our substitutes, and we are identified with them. But then you put that new master copy upon the cross. He gave us a death. He took our judgment. He took our punishment. Then he gave us a life. We've been delivered from the power of darkness. We've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. He has spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly. His victory is our victory. And he has given us by his word the title deed of everything we need upon this earth. The Bible says all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We are partakers of that through the precious promises of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, as is our tradition here at Island Church, we put a demand upon your word. Thanking you for the protection and safety afforded us as believers. We declare according to Psalms 91, no evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Whether we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation, we call ourselves protected, blessed. And the righteous labor of our hands, the resource you've given us to handle, whether we travel, whether we work in the ocean, whether we work in the medical branch, we work up in the oil patch, retail, construction, construction, Education does not matter. We are not subject to the evil plans of wicked men or Satan himself. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. Let us enter into, recognize, see, and realize. We as a church have a great door of utterance here on the island, up in Lamarck, up in Houston, all around this region, Lord. Thank you, Father. We're ministers of reconciliation ministers of restoration, ministers of encouragement. We lay hands on the sick. We cast out devils. Freely we have been, freely we have received, freely we will give in Jesus' name. Father, we leave today walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We're overwhelmed by what you've done for us in Christ. We leave thanking you for our church, walking in love one toward another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be, thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood. Empowered by the Word and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God... Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.